Welcome to episode 100 of Game Theory, podcast about competition strategy and decision making. We're happy all of you are here with us. If you're new to the show, I imagine this would be a weird one for you. They aren't all like this. Most of them are uh, more boring, but somehow more fun, Chris. And I can't believe we've did 100 episodes so far. Well, 99, I guess. Well, those other episodes might be more boring, but they're more hot. They're hotter. If you're new to the show, boring is hot. Boring is hot. If you're not new to the show, boring is hot. Boring is hot. And we're here celebrating 100 episodes of sheer, sheer, uncontainable heat. Yes. Just a ton of boredom. Chris, the 100th episode is going to be interesting because we're going to review some stuff. This is not an episode full of clips. I hate when people do that. Um, Also, that's actually a lot of hard work and we don't have a live producer. So I'm not, I'm a, I'm not going to, and B it screws you, the people who have been with us for 20, 30, 50, 80. And the, those of you that have been with us for a hundred episodes, you just hear stuff you've already heard. Now there is a phenomenon, Chris, um, where waiters and waitresses who don't take notes, they've found this. This is true. I saw, I saw this on a YouTube video, which is not a TikTok, So I looked it up myself. They, well, well, so it's like, that's like, that's like, oh, well, the, the Wikipedia article is much more reliable than the YouTube comment that I saw about this, right? This user PU five, five Y destroyer 69 commented that this is really true. And then I looked it up and the Wikipedia article said it's true. So Um, yeah, there you go. No, I actually got this from great courses about memorization and things. So there are waiters and waitresses. Great great courses is different. Why don't you say it? Like they have actual academics. I didn't want to admit that I didn't, that I'm listening to great courses. Oh, that's where you draw the line. That's where you, with your snobbishness, draw the line. You know, okay, player three. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what to get Nick for Christmas. This is so I was weird. trying to figure out how to do shopping. Normally, it's like, you know, you get somebody whiskey or something. I got. Him, I think we got him some nice gifts. I will not One be drinking the, the bird, the, the Philadelphia Eagles whiskey. I will not be partaking in that. Thank you, though. It's for the well, word. that was more for your wife. I, really. I got I to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Go birds, I guess. But I, I was trying to process a request that you gave me. Player three, Nick requested fancy olive oil mm-hmm. because that's what he's getting into. Yeah. He's going to draw the, he's, it, oh, I don't want people to know I listen to the great courses, but Obviously I am really into boutique artisan. So I was listening to the oils. great courses and eating my focaccia and olive oil. And I, <laughs> there are a couple of interesting things that I would like to get into something called the knowledge. Actually, it's, we'll do an episode about the knowledge. You ever heard about the knowledge? It's. Widely considered the knowledge. Be, the knowledge is widely considered to be the most difficult examination on earth. Um, the knowledge is what the black cabbie drivers in London, it's their exam. They have to memorize London. I ha- You know what? I have heard of this. Yeah. I heard of this on my favorite British quiz show, QI. Yeah. And they, they say it's like a it's like a crazy hard exam mm-hmm. because you just you have to just know the entire the city entire of London, thing. which is one of the world's like great mega cities it's like it's like a civilization truly into itself yes, right you just have to know it back to front and like you have to know schedules and mm-hmm. all kinds of so stuff. it's like the it's, most it's difficult memorization amazing. they found that in the knowledge this is similar to law school students and medical school students and it really advanced kind of memorization based phd programs where like you're not like researching like uh, historical facts but like maybe you need to know a ton of stuff a portion of your brain grows and grows into other portions of your brain that your ability to memorize it literally makes that I and I don't remember the exact stuff and you can look this up yourself like you, there those people that know the knowledge their brains don't look the same as other people's like they physically alter their brain uh, like physically because that part of their brain needs to be so big and it, 
I don't remember where it goes into, and maybe they lose some empathy for humanity. I don't know what happens to the rest of their brain, but that does happen. Now, something similar in a very micro sense, and this is what I'm getting to, happens to waiters and waitresses when they, have you ever had your order taken and no, they don't write anything down? They're just like, and you're kind of complex and there's four or five people there and you're like, you good, bro? Those people. Yeah, every every single time that happens, I don't trust it. And I, I got to be honest with you, if, if I'm more, if I'm out with more than, two people if it's like me and a date okay that's fine but if it's like a group of people then i i don't think i have ever had that happen where there wasn't some kind of mistake or like they didn't forget something and have to like go back and it's like okay that's fine but i feel like we could have yeah like we well saved a little bit of work here some uh, hoity-toity grad students phd candidates actually looked into that um and this is the member the thing i'm telling you about those people make less mistakes by far, not even close, than people that write things down. It did not matter. First of all, they make fewer mistakes, you, uh, not less. But that's that's interesting. I'd love, I'd, yeah, 100 episodes in. 100 episodes in, and that's what we're talking about. So I, I want to see, maybe we should maybe we should discuss this in more detail in like a full episode, because sure. I'd, I'd be interested to know about that. It's like, yep. it, you, you get better at a thing by doing that thing over and over again, so you're well, going to get better at memorizing orders and stuff and, and keeping all that information in your mind if you practice it like Here you can't comes, you're not, you're not going to get better at memorizing it if you don't try no. to well, memorize it this is the curveball this is the fun part of why we're doing this episode those waiters and waitresses that after they left their shift they could remember things that people had that left the restaurant hours ago they their memorization was wild when they took their apron or uniform off don't remember jack shit really yeah they don't remember they were like what happened like uh, i actually don't know like they can turn the ability to do that on and off, and they just do. Because like when you're in the moment, you're focusing, you're doing your thing. When you're not in the moment, you're like, I don't know. And that's what it's like to host a podcast about a bunch of cool information and stuff because we have missed 100 episodes. That was the best full circle ever. We got some fun facts. It's true. Was good. We're, we're going through our that episodes. We're like, oh, my God, I forgot we did that. We spent a whole hour on that. Was that worth it? I don't know. Sometimes yeah, it's like, wow, we well, should do great. Like, If you look at the titles, like how can we how can we fill the space here? But then as we as we were preparing for this episode, we're doing we're doing some kind of special look backs. We're not doing clips, but we are kind no of clips. looking back at, at, at the interesting stuff that we've learned over the years. Right. I. I forgot about a lot of the really interesting stuff yeah. that we talked about. That's like, exactly. that's not necessarily the main topic of the episode. Like no. we just get into some interesting little byways yeah. and I think Side quests. I, I don't know. I think it's a fun thing. I, I agree. I, when you, uh, when you said that about waiters and waitresses take the putting on the apron and suddenly they become like super yeah. restaurateur. It's like, nobody cared who I was until I put on the mask. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, nobody, nobody cares who we are and no, the mask is on even on or off. We do have some, but I still feel a little more powerful when we get into this kind of like podcasty mode and like looking back on all this stuff. Like we, we really have had the privilege of looking up and learning some really interesting stuff and getting, getting tips from people. We've had some fantastic guests on the show that have taught us just a ton of really interesting stuff about life that we don't really, we don't interact with day to day. So right. it's been cool to learn all this stuff. So uh, before we get to that, uh, that, that part of the episode, I want us to say we're still, we're, we're still discussing which social media we're going to put our effort into and be clear. We're going to do one social media and we may do a social media and YouTube, but the question will be whether or not that YouTube is mostly focused on shorts. We need an avenue through which to talk to the people if we're going to miss an episode because we missed last week due to like it was the first of the new year and we had some stuff going on, uh, both of us actually. So we didn't do this episode when it was scheduled. We need a platform on which to tell you people that that's going to happen. That platform will not be X slash Twitter. No. Um, so it's Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Reddit, Reddit has a couple voices and also TikTok has a couple voices. We shall see. I'm going to make that decision in February. Just FYI. Also, Chris, 
I've got some fan mail. Uh, someone really appreciates our topics, and I want to say that the thing about the thing about emailing us is that we do we do read it at some point. We um, do. Yes. Yes. That, that does that does happen. So our friend Jasmine wrote in, and she had a suggestion for something which is pretty interesting. She had a couple of suggestions, but one thing I wanted to mention just so quick: we haven't done a sports episode in a while. There is a real conundrum happening yeah. in the NFL right now with kickers are too good, and soon there's going to be a weird thing where you just like cross the the forty yard line. It's like, should we just kick it on first down? Like it's going to get weird. What's this? Uh, what? What's the? Uh, I'm googling the Dallas Cowboys kicker's name. Brandon Aubrey. Because I want to give a huge shout out to him. Because he went to Notre Dallas Dame. Cowboys <laughs> kicker. This is a Notre Dame thing. Dude. Yeah, it's it is a Notre Dame thing, but it's but it's a unique Notre Dame thing. Uh, Brandon Aubrey. So he had an incredible start to his rookie season in the NFL. So he's he was a pro athlete before. He used not to play soccer. A he was a, because of that. Yeah, right. So so it's his first year in the NFL. Not technically a rookie. He is a Notre Dame alumnus, a Notre Dame man. He played soccer for the Irish. I think he won the national championship in 2013, yes. yep. and he was on just an incredible hot streak for the start of the year. He's he's 28 years old and he started a perfect let's see I'm I'm, I'm looking what it is. He's he had a 30 38. he had a 32 yard field goal attempt blocked against the Eagles or against the Commanders rather. Commanders, yeah. So he missed but two kicks in any against case, the Commanders, one of which was He blocked, had 34 he, like field goals 34. in a row. Yeah. And and some of them were from 50. So here's the fun yep, stat. 34 we'll, kicks we'll in the episode. the NFL record the NFL record just well, for, for the people out there who care about the Irish and field goal kicking, the NFL record mm. is 37 for 37. Mike Vanderjagt, who's like a famous oh, yeah. kicker. Yeah, and then he missed kickers one of the most go, egregious I guess. kicks in the history of the NFL. Yeah, yeah you can Google it. Ooh, his anti-clutch. But Brandon Aubrey yes. uh, is, a, is, is a really great, and he's a fantastic young kicker. And, and NFL yes. kickers, I mean, they're, they're super good. Yeah, well, and they, if you watch, Brandon Aubrey's a great example of this because he's making kicks that, and they're like, so he's recently, there's a little, some whispers about like this is not how you want to end the season but um historic start to his career and really good the thing is that there something like 75 percent of all kicks over 50 yards have happened in the last 20 years like 80 percent of all kicks over 60 there were more kicks over 60 yards this year or in the last two years than there have ever been before that like so the kickers are just getting so good that it's kind of a, a weird thing so we'll, we'll look into that you can email us you can find the email um, it is available, especially if you listen on Spotify. You can also leave us voice messages, which is super duper fun. We appreciate that. Okay. When we started this program, I said, Chris, we got to commit to 150 episodes. We do 150 episodes and then we either have a proof of concept or uh, we won't and we'll bail and we'll quit. And there's still time for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that, the off ramp is, is always there. Like, it it's, always it, it's, there. In, it's coming up over the horizon, but. There is an off-ramp to this. So we have found a number of trivia questions for one another that we are going to ask from past episodes. Where they're going to rev- then we're then going to review our favorite either game effect, law, rule, or other named thing, uh, except for the razors. Those are just razors, and we just did that one, so we're not going to do that. But all of the different like the 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 uh, Nash equilibrium is out. We can't talk about the Nash equilibrium because that is just game right. theory. It's, it's, it's a foundational concept. Yeah. It's like saying, like, what's your favorite math thing? Like, I don't know, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Like, you can't, you can't do, you can't do the rest of game theory without the no. concept of the Nash yeah. equilibrium yeah. and and the, the the kind of cooperative competitive game. Okay, so I'm going to start first. All right, you're gonna you're gonna kick off tri- You're gonna kick off our first ever trivia episode. Yep. 
with Are you ready? a review back. And, and and so just just to set the parameters of this, we've each gone through our episode history and we've yep. selected kind of moments or ideas or topics or questions from the episodes that we have. So you should be able to listen to this and answer these trivia questions along with us if you've been listening to the episode so far. And this, this includes our entire back album. And I'm going to tell you guys, our first, I don't know, probably 80 or 90 episodes, I would say, are really not good. <laughs> our early work is not it's not great there are stuff. a couple there are a couple that are okay <laughs> yeah that we, we had a tough time with the pacing of the show we hadn't figured it out we had we had a you know a kind of a pilot phase but that's included that's that's fair game we have a hundred episodes on the record and we're drawing from our entire oeuvre as oeuvre. it were wow to get to get wow. these questions and so we're gonna have a little we're gonna have a little trivia contest like which one of us can put on the the apron better so to speak mm. Yeah. So you're going to kick us off. I am I am going to kick us off and I've got I've got a couple fun ones. So this is so okay. I'm what part of partially I wanted the quizzes to be about the 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 facts of the case. Also partially I wanted the quizzes to be about what our episodes were about, which is super fun. Okay, so a stag hunt okay is a concept in game theory in which two hunters go into the wood and they both hunters are needed to shoot a deer. However, if what they split up, they're not walking through the woods together. They have to coordinate to track and get a deer together. This is an official game theory game. However, yes. in the hunt, a hunter sees a rabbit. Now a deer will feel, feed the village. A rabbit will only feed one hunter's family. So game theory would dictate you should probably get, kill the rabbit. If you're being selfish and being a, a single operator and kill the rabbit, feed your own family. But then if that hunter is assuming you're hunting deer, he passes up a chance to kill a rabbit and they starve. So the thing to do in the game is to go in with the plan to kill the deer. And even if you see a rabbit, stick to the plan of shooting the deer. Go in knowing you're working together, even though there's an opportunity to be selfish. Which global issue does this best apply to? This, in our episode. This, according to us... If I remember correctly, the key issue that this topic addressed, will you stop that? That's going to be such terrible audio. Will you knock that off? <laughs> that was funny once. We've been producing podcasts for it years. Funny and once. It was funny once. noise in the background. Yeah, it was funny once. Okay, it was, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. The global issue that I think we discussed with this is the issue of climate change. Yes. Wait. Yes, I knew it. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Power to the people. I, I have a scoreboard right here. I'm, I'm, I'm manually keeping track of the score. That's why I've got this pen here. It's not just a prop. So uh, player one <laughs> gets you can the watch answer on YouTube, correct. By the way. Yeah, so the, so the answer to the question is that it's climate, climate change. change. It, of course, the stag hunt was about, it's like, what do you? What if you have the prisoner's dilemma, cooperate or defect, but with the payoffs different? Because in, in prisoner's dilemma, it's like either you win or you lose, and that's the, that's the payoff. But the stag hunt is like, well, you can get a stag or you can get this tiny little rabbit. So like the rewards are disproportionate depending if you cooperate or defect. And then that actually changes the mathematics. Like the calculation changes because of that weighted expectation value for the payoff. And so you're actually more rationally induced to cooperate rather than defect unlike the prisoners don't. You have to do it. But what's happening in the world, of course, is that it's so much easier to just take shortcuts and take money, but everyone's got to stick to it because then we'll get a stag in the end. All right, good work. We're Chris is keeping track one to nothing on the scoreboard. Here we go. I'm so excited. That, I'm not going to do That's right. This. Okay. Nick, your first question mm -hmm. is a little bit of a softball because it's taken us back to our roots. Yeah. And by our roots, I mean your roots and my roots. Right. We're going back to our hometown, episode 12, women's voting rights. Yes. As you know, 
Wyoming is ground zero for women's voting rights. It was the first territory to universally recognize women's suffrage. Correct. Uh, in the history of the world. There are some, there are some other competing claims elsewhere. That Pitcairn Island does in, not count. In, there were 30 people. Right. Pitcairn Island. Yeah. Okay. Piracy aside. Yeah. The question for you about Wyoming and about women's suffrage is, Nick, what was the name of the first woman elected governor of any U.S. state? I tough. don't have it. That's tough. That's, That's tough. a tough one. I grew okay. up there. I don't know. What now? Yeah. What now? What state was she elected to? The 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 Bison State, the the state of that, Wyoming. That's right. That's right. Her name was Nellie Taylor Ross. Ross. Yes. And we have Ross yes. stuff everywhere. Yes. That's right. Because it was also yeah, the she first was elected in an appointed judge and stuff. Well, she was. Well. She was the. Well, she was the wife of the governor at the time who died in an emergency election. She was elected in, I believe, nineteen twenty four. I. Mm. I didn't actually check, double check the year. Uh, but Nellie, Nellie Taylor Ross was the first woman governor of any state in the United States. There were, there were women governors who acted, who stepped in and did roles as like acting governor and had governor responsibilities, but she was the first one elected in a no kidding election. So unfortunately, Nick, you don't know your history and I, I guess you don't respect women in leadership. I don't, that's not for me to say. That was you put say. me in a bind there. That was tough. That was a tough look. We were I talking thought about this, this would be a softball for you. I I thought, oh, he'll surely remember this. I thought you were gonna so ask me what to what town, upbringing. what was the first, what was the first municipality, which of course South Pass City. But I what, what, well was it? Yeah, that's where it happened. That's where the what was. What happened. was the first town that was? This is not part of the trivia game. What no. was the first town that was uh, that had a town council and executive leadership that was entirely women? I I my guess would be Chi Town, but I don't know. Oh, Jackson. Jackson. Wow, I did not oh, know Jackson that. Jackson had either. a town council and the mayor were they were all women. Yeah, I did not. I it was did the not first town in America either. for that, I think. Okay, is it my turn? It's your turn. Yeah, so, so we're we're at 1-0 after God. round 1. All right. So maybe I should be a little bit more aggressive with this. We discussed with you can't my change wife the questions mid-flight. I might. I have a couple options here. We right. discussed all with right. my wife medical match yes. day. And how yes, interesting we had a really interesting episode idea. about this. Yeah, we did, and we we should probably re-air that one every now and then because the match system is very intense, and it's, it's it means well the stable marriage problem where nobody's happy but no one's unhappy. Stable marriage problem, medical match day. It was invented by William Halstead, who's one of the most important people in medical history. He the why do why are American doctors better than other doctors? No disrespect, is because uh, they're basically militarized by this guy Halstead. Halstead militarized medical school because he was addicted to which substance is it oh, a no cocaine b morphine c alcohol it was not alcohol sure correct there we go and it was not morphine this man was coked out of his mind he was and that's what gave him the idea that Oh, 24 hour shifts are no big deal for medical <laughs> professionals who literally have people's lives in their hand. Good and work. he didn't factor in. Thank you. Yes. Yes. But I, it's kind I'm, of a trick I'm happy question. To count that victory. It's kind of a trick question because trick question. he then got addicted to morphine to treat his cocaine addiction. I see. Okay. So he really <laughs> he was addicted. He to really thought <laughs> I'm going to uno reverse myself. Right. Now that I've, now that I've ruined the lives of every doctor and medical professional sure. in America for generations, but good patient. I'm going to go ahead and, 
great patient care. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no doubt he about that. Yeah, that, was, that was a really interesting episode. Kim, yeah. Kim had some great insights to a really challenging process. Like, it's not just that doctors have to learn. Oh, I don't know everything there is to know about the human body. Plus, specialize in really crazy, difficult specialties, and then find their way through the system. They also have to like really struggle to find their way through the system, and it's. Uh, really, really high risk and pretty low reward for a lot of work that has to go in before you can figure out where you're going to go and live your life and where you're going to go and treat people. Right. And it's, uh, it's a difficult decision to weigh and it's, you know, it's really intense. And I wouldn't mind revisiting that one, one of these days. All right. Two oh, yeah, Chris. And that episode. was, I gave you multiple choice and I did not have to do that. Something because if I didn't give you, you did, multiple you choice, did you would not. not have gotten it. I knew he was addicted to something. Yeah, was I was going to say either PCP or LSD, but then I thought, well, LSD, no, that was the guy that invented the uh, the PCO, the polymerase chain reaction. Mm-hmm. That guy, yeah. So really, Hall I, I said his, name is. He, his addiction to cocaine kind of ruined his medical career in New York City. Allegedly, he then got clean on cocaine, and while being dependent on morphine, he was functionally able to practice medicine for the remainder of kind of his life. So it kind of it did cure him, but he was a drug addict the whole whole time but he was still good at being a doctor it was a very fascinating person to look into if you're ever bored this is like those superhero movies that are like oh yes he became a hero and saved everyone but, but what it cost, cost him his humanity yeah exactly yeah, blah 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 but that, that, that yeah that's that's really fascinating stuff okay so mm-hmm. two nothing going into your second your second shot so to speak uh, this is not great you were really mean with that first one well we're gonna go back into military strategy and this uh, one is a little bit this one's uh there's an opportunity for a bonus point here mm. with this question. So we're going back to episode 17, empty fort strategy. You remember that one? I do. Yeah, so the basic idea of the empty fort strategy is to try to bluff your way into a victory over your adversary by making them think that you have this massive defense or this massive capability came and out of deterring China. them. Yep. Yes, yes, came out of ancient China. There's a whole romanticization of it in this in the romance of the three kingdoms. There's there, there are a lot of interesting stories there. However... You, Nick, mm. brought to that episode a really interesting example from the War of 1812, a real case of deception in the form of, in the form of making the adversary think there were more capabilities or more forces amassed than there actually were. A British major general and a Shawnee leader allied to deceive U.S. forces into surrendering a key battle at Fort Detroit. Nick, mm. for your main point, Name the British and Shawnee leaders that deceived U.S. forces at Fort Detroit in the War of 1812. And I'll give you a hint. They ran circles around the fort over and over again, basically just marched around to try to trick the U.S. forces, who really outnumbered the British and the Indians, into thinking that they were up against the wall and surrendering. The Shawnee leader, my guess, is going to be Pontiac. That is a great guess. Uh, I'll give you a hint. This is uh, this the, the Shawnee leader shares the middle name of a, another famous general. Oh, huh? That- and that other famous general is famous for marching through the South in the Civil War and burning. Uh, yeah, the, Sherman the out of Georgia. The Pontiac's name is Sherman. No, I mean the, Pontiac, the, Shawnee, the, Shawnee. the Pontiac. The Shawnee. Shawnee's name was Tecumseh. Tecumseh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, great. I thought because I know Pontiac was around the time, but Pontiac. I don't think Pontiac was Shawnee. I think he was. I think it might have been Iroquois. Um, he was so, Shawnee. 
The I, I looked it up, man. Yeah, the no, I, Tecumseh. The, I thought the Pontiac, Pontiac yeah, was. Yeah, Teco- Pontiac. yeah Tecumseh. Sorry, I, I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. I, I was thinking. You, you said yeah. Tecumseh was a Shawnee leader who allied with a British major general. Any idea what the British major general's name was? Is it Custard? No, it was Isaac Brock. Yeah, no. Your idea. bonus point opportunity is going to be to Ask name the U.S. general who was deceived. And actually, this is a bonus point because I don't think we mentioned this in the episode. My I, I guess think I looked this up and found out later. Just. Based on math and history, my guess is, man, this person famous for other things later in his life? No. Really? So this is just a random name? Um, <laughs> no fucking clue. Uh, Garfield. His name, his name was General <laughs> Brigadier General William Hull. Hull, yeah, of course. Hull fought in the Revolutionary War. Well, and yes, and he fought in the War of 1812 Mm. and was absolutely duped because he, I think, I guess racistly thought that all the Shawnee looked looked alike and couldn't tell that they were actually just the same people walking in front of the fort over and over again. That's good stuff. I can't believe I... I, That was was tough. I think think mine are a little little bit tougher. You gave me a good multiple choice, and I really Mm -hmm. appreciate that. So So, we'll, we'll... I'm removing we'll, we'll the multiple to, choice. We'll level the playing field. Removing the multiple choice from this one. All right, that's I'll fair. You, but I'll okay, give you an so opportunity for a bonus point because it'll be fun. Well, thank you. All right, I'm I'm, I'm delighted by that. So we're two zero right. going into round three. So my favorite episode, the one that I use most often when getting into Twitter arguments about football, is a math concept that we did called Simpsons paradox. And Simpsons paradox, yeah. Chris, if you recall, if you look at a graph, and I'm using, I'm looking at the camera now. If you look at a graph, say of a stock price, and the line of best fit on that graph is up. Up and to the right, like if I put my arm at an angle. But if you zoom in, mm-hmm. it goes up and it goes down, it goes up and it goes down. Simpsons paradox is if you zoom in incorrectly, you might think a stock is going down, but really you just need to zoom out into the whole sample size. Simpsons paradox is why I'm up like 40% on gambling for the year. I have a very simple strategy. I learned it from James Holzhauer. It is incredibly lucrative if you have the patience and just stick with it. It's that sports games are played over a specific period of time. So I don't do this yep. in baseball. A period of time. If a team goes up 40 to nothing, it's probably unlikely they'll win 80 to nothing. It's probably more likely they'll win 52 to 25. So during the game, the odds change and the Vegas will say, well, they're up by 40. We think they're going to win by 35. And, but before the game, Vegas thought, oh, we think they're going to win by 10. Like, well, that's a big difference. So Simpsons par- Paradox is Vegas focusing in on what has happened for only half of the predetermined sample size, right? That's Love right. Simpsons yep. Paradox. In the episode and in the article, one of the most famous examples of Simpsons Paradox are two pl- baseball players that have similar batting averages. But one baseball oh, no. player is objectively significantly much better and younger at the time than the other baseball player. That better baseball player who had a worse average than this other guy is none other than the famous Derek Jeter. And I could have switched. I'm switching oh, somebody. Oh, man. I, I, mean. oh, I was the hoping you were The other guy that's which used an example... Famous New York Yankee from the ni- late 90s teams and the early 2000s teams is Humst. Oh, no. So he, w- so he played for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Did he play for any other teams? Oh, was yeah. They all play for every other team. They're very rare to own your career. So there's your bonus point. There's oh, your bonus God. point. But I wanna, I want your, so this player, uh, you know, I'll give you the bonus point after you, you fail this. <laughs> I'm not gonna give you any because I, I am no gonna context. Fail. Dang it! <laughs> no, I was gonna say, um, it, no. Uh, who's the guy? I don't know. So okay. uh, I'm gonna guess the guy's not even yet. Tony Gwynn. Great guess. N- horrible guess. Uh, so uh, <laughs> horrible guess. He was a Padre. This here's forever. your bonus question point. This player 
was a prominent player, kind of, on a team that was very famous in a movie that was set in the early 2000s. And more than a good player on the team, he was a very, very prominent character in a movie about this team. Yeah, in the early okay, 2000s. all right, all right. David Justice. David Justice is David correct. David Justice is the I'm example. not paying you $6 million. <laughs> the Yankees are paying half your salary. They're playing you. They're paying you to play against them. David I'm Justice. I'm going to give myself so, the point for that one. In the episode, Derek Jeter was 12 for 48 for a batting average of 250, but he only had 48 batting attempts. David Justice was 104 for 411 for a batting average of 253. Now I ask you, are those 250 batting averages the same? No. Simpson Paradox be like, let's give Derek Jeter 300 more attempts and see what it looks like. Simpson's Paradox really fascinating to me. has practical applications in my life um, every weekend. Yeah, it, it really does. It, it, and it's, it's just this amazing thing. It's like you can have two sample sizes where like, mm-hmm. like David Justice has a higher batting average than Derek Jeter in two separate seasons. And yet over the course of those two seasons, Derek Jeter's batting average is higher. It's like it's not just like additive. And you can't you can't assume that zooming in on something is going to result in a self-similar solution. You can't just like take a chunk out of the full sample and say, well, this is representative of the entire whole because it's it's clearly yeah. not. I mean, empirically, it's not. And you can use that to your I'll advantage you when, when gambling. Here's a really great example in, in the NFL. Last year, the Detroit Lions started the season one and six. They finished the season nine and eight. So at one point they were one and six. And on the other half of the season, they were eight and two. Are they an eight and two team? Are they a one and six team? Neither. The sample size and the sample size was predetermined to be 17 games. They are nine and eight football team. Over the course, so you could say, like, well, they have a lot of momentum, or they really finished the season with a dud. Nope, they like it was just the order of things. It's just sometimes right. when you flip a coin, you're going to get 90 heads in a row if you do it trillions of times. That doesn't mean anything. It's just a snapshot. Yeah, that's that's absolutely the case. Like you're each each part of the sample is independent of the others in a, in a random sample. Yep. And right, so you're going to get some weird looking anomalies, but the overall sample size is going to follow the laws of statistics. I am okay. nervous. All now. right. So I missed that one. It's bad. It's a bad situation. For me. Yeah. There you what? Right, it's a bad situation for me right now. Well, I mean, I what are you going to do? Got to get a scoreboard. Yeah. You got to, you got to, you got to answer some questions, right? Well, luckily we have a fun, a fun episode to draw from your third question. Mm. We're going to episode 26, the Monty Hall problem. One of our most famous episodes, one of our favorite episodes to record <laughs> on personal stories, really interesting <laughs> anecdotes. And and we got we got some hate mail for it. We did. And it's it, it was one of my favorite moments of doing the of, of doing podcasting ever because we explained on the show that a famous mathematician wrote like a column on the Monty Hall problem and she was given a bunch of hate mail for it. And it was people explaining, I can't believe you're doing, you're saying this and it's totally incorrect. And we explained like, yeah, no, it's, it, it's unreasonable. People can't accept the correct answer. That's right. Uh, and then we got hate mail that said, you guys are wrong. And they explained the exact wrong answer that we talked about in the episode. It was, it was to a T the wrong way to understand it. Right. And uh, I could, I can't believe that happened. I actually found out, uh, we'll do an episode on this later. I found a problem similar to the Monty Hall problem that is bending people's brains on TikTok. And I'm on nerd TikTok as well. Um, very similar situation. It's called the Sleeping Beauty problem or the Cinderella problem. I don't know. It's some Disney princess problem. We'll talk about it. And it's people, like there have been the impact factor, right? How many times the paper has been cited? The original paper has been cited some 400 times by academicians. No one can agree. And it is exactly the Monty Hall problem, which is um, it, the, this problem breaks down into one half or one third. And it's just how you understand the order of operations. Yeah, Monty Hall was, we should probably just redo that one because so, it's hard to understand it. It's tough. 
It is. Yeah, it's all about choosing the correct the correct pathways. But I'm actually going to take something from a different part uh, from a different topic that we discussed within that episode. We briefly discussed a controversial and very funny rumor about one of the U.S. intelligence community's major agencies. So the U.S. intelligence community has a bunch of different agencies in it. They all have people who are trying to collect information and analyze information and, and help the government make the best decisions that we can to keep our country secure. So we talked about a funny rumor that took place at one of those agencies. This is a two-part question. So the op- you have the opportunity for two points here. Mm-hmm. A, what was the agency called? Okay, so say that the rumor at an, a United States intelligence agency, and this is in, in reference to the Monty Hall problem? So it's not, it's not really about the Monty Hall problem. Okay, it's just in it's the a, It's a very funny rumor. It's very unexpected. Uh, and the, the, first, the first point that you can earn from this is, what was the U.S. intelligence agency that we briefly discussed? That's the, so the location of this rumor. I'm just going to have to do process elimination here because I, I got to go back and listen to this episode. So I'm going to guess, based on the easiness of this question, it's not the Central Intelligence Agency. I'm also going to I'm, I'm going to guess that it's not the NSA. That seems like too low-hanging fruit as well. The FBI could hardly be called an intelligence agency. I'm going to go with the <laughs> deep, state, deep State Organization, the NSSA. I don't know what that is. I don't know either. I thought that somebody... I don't know what that is either. No, it's not an NSA. I'm going to say I'm going to get I'm going to go for a quarter, a quarter credit here, which is that it's not the CIA, NSA or FBI. That's good. I'm going to give you a quarter credit. (laughs) Unfortunately, that rounds down to zero. We are correct on that. The agency's name is the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. So geospatial is intelligence is hyphenated. It's NGA. NGA. And so what do you think they do there? Uh, geospatial. I don't know. They make maps this at all. They, they just look at maps. It's an intelligence yeah, like satellite images. Google Maps. Are they hiring? I mean, I mean, kind of. Yeah. So I'm, they 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 do. What? They're the ones who do like the geography based what? intelligence. So Nick, I mentioned this rumor is funny and yes. very unexpected at a place that studies the entire globe. Uh-huh. What is the rumor about the people who work at NGA? They're flat earthers. Yes, that is correct. There are flat earthers, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, there are flat earthers who work at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency whose job is to cover the actual globe and try to figure out who's doing what where. Their job is to study the earth, and there are people there who think that it is actually flat. That is that is correct. So I'm going to give you a wrong though. answer, but I'm going to give you a right answer on that one. Thank too. You. you. So one out of two points, not bad. You're on the board. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Um, it's we're we're having a great time. Okay, Chris. Um, we have a series. We we've we've pitched a number of series, and we've tried to do them a couple of times. Mathisodes. We do our mathisodes. We do our basic boring stuff. We do various things. But my favorite thing that we're going to continue doing. In fact, one of our next couple episodes will be a froster file. I love a fraudster file. Done, I, I miss doing them. Uh, yep. we, we've done some really interesting ones. We've done Billy McFarlane. We've done well, Theranos. We did the wine one. That was really interesting. Yeah, right, right, right. So I'm going to be mean to you because you're being mean to me. Um, oh, no. We've done four. So I'm just going to give oh. you the scandals. We've okay. done Theranos. Yes. We've done Firefest. Great We've episode. done the college admissions scandal. Yes. And we've done yes. the guy that faked really expensive wine. 
Name yes. all four of these people's first name. Billy. Yep. Elizabeth. Yep. <laughs> those oh, are easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those, those guys are, are super easy famous. Ones. Those are the <laughs> easy ones. Nail them. Oh, man. The the college admissions scandal was the guy who was, like, selling yeah. this to all the celebrities. Like, as a tutor, stuff, he was right? like, there's a side door, and then he's pretending that they were on, like, sports teams. Yeah. 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 Was one of these two people's named David? I, 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 no, I can't No, one of their names. Their names are so white, though. They're so white. Like. I bet it's, like, I bet it's, like, Stephen and Jeremy. That's a great guess. So Those the, are the whitest names I can come up with. So college admissions guy was named. So you get two out of four. So one half. So I, I got a quarter. <laughs> college admission scandal guy's name was William Rick Singer. That's right. William Singer. Yeah. He, uh, he pawned off his services onto like rich, famous people to get their kids on like these BS athletic scholarships at like Stanford and USC. And so like people who had never been in a boat before were like, Oh yeah, I'm actually a, a champion sailor so I can be on the sailing team and get a scholarship there. And it's a way for kids for, right. for wealthy people to get their kids into elite schools. And so they can have prestige. They don't really care about the education that much is obvious from watching the documentary. They care about being able to say, Oh, well my child is a student at the university of Southern California and it's nonsense. Right. So, yeah, he uh, he ripped some people off big time, including the people who were working admissions at those universities. That is exactly correct. It was really fascinating. The next one, just a tease, the next one we're going to be doing is going to be on the bad surgeon who did two of my favorite tropes. Um, we haven't done the Tinder swindler, but there's, like, people who fake romances. We could mm -hmm. do the... Uh, we're going to do an episode on the vegan queen of New York as well. But he also yes. did medical fraud. So he did two frauds in one fraud, which is really quite impressive. It's on Netflix. Everybody can watch along with us if you want to talk about the fraudster files. Okay. The wine guy. His first name is Rudy. Rudy. Rudy yes, Kaniawan. That's right. That's Rudy right. Kaniawan. He was the guy... Rudy was a guy who wanted to basically just make it big into like the elite ultra exclusive world of fine wines. Right. And the thing that really got him far was that everyone seemed to believe that his palate was just otherworldly good. Is. Like it is. And, and it is. Yeah. He has real expertise in, in tasting wines and he knows which wines are good, which wines are bad. Right. He knows about you know, the, like the basics of, of horticulture all the way to like the bottling processes and stuff. And his fraud was that he was basically kind of replicating the tastes of fine wines mm -hmm. with the, the knowledge and skill that he had using like two buck Chuck and cheap stuff from Trader yeah, well, Joe's. Not like, like super cheap. Like and selling all this stuff. Stuff. He was, he was just concocting things that were very similar and he was faking out people who were experts at this. But he also got like, you know, the auction houses were like, oh, no, if it sells for like record breaking bubble level prices, that's fine. That makes sense. That's Burgundy's going for 90 grand. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, Sotheby's or whoever, whatever auction houses are just taking the thing. So it was a good episode. Rudy, William, Elizabeth, and Billy. And old Billy. Billy. So we had two Williams, really. So, yep, so, okay, did. so technically I get two thirds of that. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. So I'm giving myself 0 0.5 points. There so you go. It, being generous to you, we're at a score of 2.5 to 1.5 going go. into your question for round four. 
Nick, this question comes from episode 29, the yeah. proximity paradox. Cool. You remember how this episode started? Yeah, we got into, I got into a Twitter beef with one of these local accounts that insists that DC is like a great city. Yeah. And they were getting super mad they blocked because it. a business was trying to like do normal business operations. Like you can yeah. literally do business operations according to games, like perfectly rational. And people in DC will, will get upset about it because it's not local. Oh my God, it's not local to the walkable urban infrastructure. It, it's so pretentious, ridiculous stuff. But there's mathematical reasoning behind why businesses do this. So we talked about the mathematics describing the proximity paradox and why it makes sense to co-locate businesses of the same type. And right. the example, of course, from real life and in kind of like the generic example is ice cream stands. Later, Nick, in that episode, you were, you were waxing philosophical about mm -hmm. mathematics. And you asked a very, very big, very foundational, conceptual question uh -oh. about mathematics. Oh, and no. it was, we were talking about the way math describes game theory, the way that math characterizes game theory, the way that people use math to make the most out of their resources, out of their circumstances. The question I'm going to ask you, Nick, is what was the big, big question about math that you asked? Is math discovered or invented? That is correct. Wait, is math discovered? There we go. There we go. There's that applause. Bravo. Yeah, is math discovered or, or invented? I think, I mean, there's probably a whole field of research, like a cottage industry of research about this philosophical question because you can say like, well, math is discovered because we can observe natural objects and we can quantify them and their relationships to each other. But then there's also like the invention of math, like logarithms are an example of like, how do we undo exponential growth? Like how, what's the inverse operation to this, this phenomenon that we observe? It's like, well, you know, it's maybe it's logarithmic growth or logarithmic decay. And I think there's a whole whole lot to that type of philosophical questions. Very, very big question. So yeah. uh, bravo yeah. for asking. And I like that it came up in the proximity paradox episode because it's a real world thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, our you people run a road trip. There are gas stations across the interstate from right. each other. I mean, that's, it makes yeah. sense. Like, it makes, it makes sense. a ton of sense yes. for them to not, not give up their, not give up their customer base <sighs> by trying to be farther away and giving space to, to their competitors. It's a really Chris, interesting episode. You have made a career out of, Nuclear policy it is what you studied in school. It is a passion of yours and been a passion of yours right. back until back to your teenage years. It's what you started with engineering and now into policy and, and such. Correct. There are a number of episodes we've done about nuclear weapons, including one we did. This is great. You have no idea this is coming. This is so much fun for oh. me. There, it, we've done know. we've done two because Russia is a nuclear power. Ukraine is not. They're at war. It's a whole thing. You got Pakistan and India have nuclear weapons. Um, a bunch like there's a whole lot of things going on with nuclear weapons, and they're kind of in a Cold War situation now. It's a very important time for this. It's something called brinksmanship or the ultimatum game, where if everybody has it. Right? You can just look at each other and like, well, if you don't do this, then I'll do this. And you escalate to the point of total annihilation. However, nuclear weapons are not the only way the brinksmanship has been used. Our fine Congress has been doing brinksmanship quite a bit in the last six years. Indeed, they Notably have. with two issues. Two issues. And the brinksmanship two that they have issues. used has been, has been, if you don't do this, we'll do this. Those two issues have involved banning something and raising something. Those are so easy hints because our Congress debates all these issues. They, they're governing us so well. Yes. Of what course. are the two issues 
that our Congress, that we cited in the episode, that our Congress has used brinksmanship for? So I know one of these right off the top of my head. Yep. The the raising something. Yep. The answer to that one, I, 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 I live in an industry town, baby. I mean, <laughs> yep. I'm at the I'm at the seat of government in the free world. They were talking about raising the debt ceiling. Yep. And there's a faction of Congress that really doesn't want that to happen. And they're trying to extort the other half. And there's a part that really wants to raise the debt ceiling so they can continue spending on stuff like, I don't know, the world's most powerful military, one of the world's largest entitlement programs with Medicare and Medicaid. A coast to coast rail system that will improve infrastructure and create jobs. Yes, yes, the Inflation Reduction Act. And by the way, I was skeptical of the name, the Inflation Reduction Act, because it was just throwing a bunch of money at a bunch of stuff. It's like, okay, this is rad, but it's not reducing inflation. Wrong. Inflation has gone way down since mm-hmm. they passed that act. Uh, but it was raising the debt ceiling. So that was the first thing. Correct. The second one, They've done that a I was times. thinking... I was thinking that you were talking about Speaker of the House and that little kerfuffle mm. where our boy McCarthy was. That kind of was ousted. an example. That would be that was an example, example of brinksmanship. It was like, okay, well, if you don't do what we want to, we, the extreme faction of this party, we are going to basically go nuclear and get you out of a job. We'll yep. we'll we'll end your speakership. But it was about banning something, banning something. Can I have another hint? No. No, God. Okay. I gave you the, then the, I'm gonna the say, raising debt ceiling one was so easy. I didn't even need to give you a hint for that one. I'm going to say it was about banning insider trading in Congress. Uh, I would never do that. No. <laughs> You're right. That's ridiculous. Chris, if you don't comply idea. with our data demands, we will ban your social media platform. Ban your social media platform. Yeah, that's you, right. That's if right. If TikTok doesn't comply with our stuff, we will ban you. And that's they right. Have that's played. right. And uh, I think Montana's is supposed to go live this month. I don't I haven't checked in on that. I don't know. I think so. And it's you can't have TikTok on like federal devices. You can't yep. uh, can't use your government cell phone to download tiktok so i'm gonna give myself half a point for that yeah totally got the obvious one yep uh so we're sitting right now at a score of three to two and a half Whoa. so you have you have the chance this to take the lead this is a game winning field goal uh last well one. this is our last question yeah. this is it is it well i have since last, when last, i only i have five and a half prepared i can do some other ones though i got some left i got All some right. for you i got some for you i i can give you one to ask me yeah no 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 because no. i wrote <laughs> i got i wrote I got it. it i have i have I'm, we're good <laughs> Okay. Uh, this one is really going to get your goat. Actually, I have okay. two that are going to get your goat. I'd like to do two more if we can. All right, let's do it. You've prepared them. Let's do them. Okay. The Half-Life of Knowledge episode was episode yep. 59. We that talked about yep. how ideas evolve and what you think is like a scientific fact may not actually be like a scientific fact. And that's a misunderstanding of the scientific process. Like The scientific process is the process of systematic inquiry into ideas in an attempt to describe the natural world and you can use either observation or experiment to test a hypothesis and determine whether that's true and advance knowledge in a significant way so we talked about several evolving theories of one example and that example is how many moons the earth has we drew from the episode of uh, my my favorite quiz show in the world qi Mm -hmm. There's a, this ongoing, this recurring set of questions about how many moons the Earth has. And there have been evolutions of this question. Like, for example, it, well, it's the moon. There's only one. Well, you know, there, are, there are other ideas. Like, for example, there are artificial moons. Or maybe there's a thought that there's like an, a, a dark moon somewhere else out there that's not really like as observable to the naked eye. So, Nick, the question is, what is the most current answer to the question of how many moons 
the earth has. I don't remember this episode very well, but I have a gut reaction. And usually as a C student, well, it makes sense that you don't remember. Wrong. It's the half-life of knowledge. Yeah, Your knowledge I, is literally decaying before you. Right. Yeah, this is in my, yeah, I take the apron off. Um, man, my God, I don't want to say it. It sounds stupid. I kind of think it's zero. Say it. That is correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's the most current explanation, as far as I know, of, of how many moons the Earth has. Because this is an evolving answer. Yeah. And according to the show, the the current answer for how many moons the Earth has is zero because the moon and the Earth form what's called a binary system. Yeah, and the moon. kind of central point of gravity that orbits the sun is somewhere between the two. And it might it might even be on the Earth because the Earth is much larger than the moon. But right. there's there's some point around which the theory now goes like, well, actually the Earth and moon kind of mutually orbit each other. And that central point between those two binaries, like this binary system, that's the thing that orbits the sun. So you're correct. Your answer mm -hmm. is enough to give you the lead. Actually. Oh, wow. All right. Because I of my you. generosity and giving you a half a point, oh, we're three and a half to three and <laughs> i am just a little tied. upset about it we could be tied uh okay i have a couple more for you i have a couple more right. for you if you want them all right we had an emergency math episode of real emergency. life and the entire internet we had a we've written about 20 blog posts they average about 100 views this one had 10,000. it crashed our blog because i we had we did an episode about an emergency football game involving the nash equilibrium and game theory, a situation in which two teams, if one of them won and lost, the winner would advance to the playoff and the loser would go home. If they tied, they would both go to the playoffs. So you're in a situation, this happens about every 10 years in the NFL or so, where you're like, the thing to do, if you agree with one another, is just, just take a knee for an hour. However, game theory, as everyone understands the selfishness of the prisoner's dilemma, dictates that the only thing to do is to win the game. The game was infinitely more entertaining than that, and we will describe, get, get into that in a second. It was way better than that. Which two teams played in this game, and who won? I believe the Chargers defeated the Raiders. Oh, so close. <laughs> no, did the Raiders defeat the Chargers? The Raiders defeated the Chargers. Despite, no! That makes sense that you would think that, though, but the Chargers suck. And they fired their coach, but they both fired their coach a couple times since then. But they, the Raiders won. And what happened in the game, Chris, was the game naturally went to overtime. And then in overtime, naturally was 70 seconds away from being a real-life tie. Like, it happened. Like, Justin Herbert, the quarterback for the Chargers, had to make an amazing comeback just to tie it. They go to overtime. It's about to be tied. And then the head coach of the Chargers calls timeout as if he's going to try to get a stop and get the ball back. The Raiders, instead of just being simple, they run a play, get a first down, and kick a field goal. Everyone thought that by, and this is the real cool thing about game theory, that the head coach of the Chargers, by calling timeout and insinuating that he was going to try to win the game and get the ball back, freaked the Raiders out because they were probably content with a the tie. There were 70 seconds left in a tie game. By calling timeout, he broke the prisoner's dilemma trust, and the Raiders were like, shit, we got to try to win the game right now. And they did. And they succeeded. Wow. Yep. The, the, the Chargers played themselves. I should have known. I should have known yeah, the yeah. Chargers would Think play harder themselves. about that. The Chargers are ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to give myself <laughs> half a point on that yep. one. Are you ready for another question? Let's do it. Okay, this is from episode 73, Fake Job Postings. Ooh, nice. This is more recent. We're getting into the more recent stuff. So according to Wall Street Journal research cited in this episode, some percentage of HR professionals surveyed claimed that their companies had active job postings for positions that had not been filled for four or more months. In other words, the job postings were fake and the company never yep. intended to fill the jobs anyway. Yep. 
there are a lot of reasons for that. Really interesting stuff there in the episode. Reasons, yeah. And you know, that's I think that's part of our John Henry series on the American worker and work life in, in this country. So the question is, Nick, I said there's some percentage of HR professionals surveyed responded in the affirmative here. What was that percentage? I'll give you a hint. This is not an exact percentage. Yeah, I have, per I have a gut feeling. I have two gut feelings. The problem is that they are very similar to one another. Um, oh, no. Game I'm going to cross one off. I, I think that two-thirds would be aggressive. So I'm going to say one-third of companies surveyed have bullshit job postings. Okay, that is incorrect. Damn. According to you, this is your number. Uh, you were close. You were right. In, you were trying to get the right direction. I remember Two-thirds reading was this. It was really amazing journalism yeah, by the uh, journal. Crazy yeah. stuff. Really impressive stuff. Uh, according to the journal, it was roughly one quarter. Of Damn. Yeah. So can't quite give you that one. That's a, that's a significant enough Very difference. Close. A third and a quarter is. Damn. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mark that one off. Uh, yes. Okay. Are you ready for? Well, no. I, you have you have, I have one more. For me? I, I can I can I can give you one more if you want one more. Because um, the scoreboard right now for those keeping track at home. First of all, if you're doing that, please stop. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> right now I've got two correct answers and three half correct answers for mm -hmm. a grand total of 3.5. You have three correct answers and one half correct answer for a total score of 3.5. So we're, we're tied, tied going into we're the tied. final round of this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Final round. <sighs> okay. You just made this question up on the spot, didn't you? No. No, oh, I just didn't good. know how I was going to phrase it. I wanted, and the difficulty of your questions has made me think about how to fuck you here. <laughs> great, um, great. So really, really game in every the system year here. around this every time. Every year, every year, Americans who are over the age of sixteen and employed will receive in the mail some sort of tax documentation, and by April fifteenth, you must file your tax return. How many taxes you did pay, and how many taxes you owe your state, local, and federal government. However. The United States, compared to other countries, actually pays taxes. Countries are, citizens in many European countries in Canada are, they owe taxes, but somehow they just don't pay them and nothing happens. Because you're in a standoff. It's, it's brinksmanship. But in America, we play the inspector game, where we will hang someone by their thumbs from the public square and scare the shit out of everyone so that they pay their taxes. The primary human emotion at play here is guilt. So, Chris... Which of the two parties, this is 50-50, I don't know, you're going to fuck this up. You're going to overthink it. This is, tick, this is oh, some real no. game theory. Oh, no. Is it the American taxpayer that feels the most guilt and that's why the system works? Or is it the United States government that feels the most guilt? Because we know that the government guilts us into paying our taxes, the title of the episode. But is it actually the government that feels the most guilt for not doing that? This is called the inspector game. It's used in nuclear weapon deterrence, as you know. You, I know, even yes. if you're Even if you cooperate and agree iran to have your shit looked at maybe you're not cooperating <laughs> so who feels the, the most, most guilt the by inspector the or the inspected did you did you see speaking of iran did you <laughs> oh, see great. we are we're in a dark time in america yeah michigan has won the, the college football national speaking championship it makes me it makes me speaking sick. of it makes me furious i am ill that's gross. I'm not. I'm not processing that. Okay, but did you see that years ago, former Iran President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad tweeted, "Inshallah, U of M will return to their winning ways with hard work and dedication. Inshallah, U of M will will go back on top." So terrorists. I, I mean, terrorists. yeah, some yeah, are they, they're they're a huge state sponsor of terrorism. Also, and nobody Mahmoud talks Ahmadinejad, about their like, insane 
sexual assault shit. No one, just Google it. Yo. It's insane. It's every Yo. bit as bad as Larry Nasser. Go look it up. Yeah. I mean, Michigan and Iran are basically the same thing. Yeah. Allegedly. We're not saying that. I correctly. think when it comes to the guilt, the inspector game, mm-hmm. I think the taxpayer actually feels the most guilt. No. The inspector feels more guilt for not inspecting hard than the inspector oh, feels for paying their taxes. No. Yes, yeah. yes. And you know who right. said that on the episode? Yes. You did. Yes. <laughs> it's 50-50. I game theory you hard. I'm a bloody fool. You are. I can't believe I suggested that Americans feel guilt over not paying taxes. That's embarrassing to me. We are right a nation now. founded on getting rid of the Medicis and the Bourbons and the Windsors. We no more rich people. We just want our Bezos and our Zuckerberg. Yeah, we want our yeah. rich people. Rockefeller. Jeez. All right. Vanderbilt. Well, I'm going to give you one then. All right. This could end in a tie. <laughs> we should be fucking hilarious. Because this is the last question. <laughs> this is hilarious. This one comes from a very recent episode. Okay. It's about Marchetti's Constant, mm. which is episode 95. We're on 100 right now. This is episode 95. So this is just a few short weeks ago. And as you know, Marchetti's Constant deals with what? This isn't the question. I actually no don't remember don't tell me <laughs> is this a traffic one yes it's a traffic yes. one it's, okay, it's okay. commute times it's like yeah, roughly yeah. speaking it's like people spend the same amount of time 20 to 40 no everywhere no matter what they do yes for all time in all places yeah. uh, and the reason for that we we actually drew heavily on the work of mathematician philosopher Bertrand Russell who explained that new technological advancements in locomotion have expanded the area across which people are compelled to move. So it's not like, oh, I have a car now. I can get you know, my half a mile to work even faster. It's I have a car now. I don't need to live a half mile from work. I can live farther mm-hmm. away and spend the same amount of time commuting as I did, you know, my, my 20 minute walk in the morning. Okay. Half mile doesn't take 20 minutes to walk, but the point is that the, the technology has allowed people to live farther away instead of just getting their shorter distances faster. So, Bertrand Russell, phenomenally interesting person, incredible, just earth-shattering contributions to the field of mathematics and philosophy. What other impressive yet simple mathematical proposition, and I'm looking for a specific proposition here, a specific mathematical idea, what other impressive yet simple mathematical proposition did Russell prove using groundbreaking symbolic logical argumentation? What math did he prove? Yes, there's a there's a very very simple mathematical idea that he had to prove on his way to making broader stuff. Uh, broader statements about set theory and resolving some para- apparent paradoxes in set theory. We briefly mentioned some of these in the episode, but there's yeah, yeah, one yeah, very say, simple math idea that he proved using symbolic logic. I was just gonna say the. I wanted to say this, like the the set paradox thing, but I don't know anything more than that. I don't remember. Yeah, so that's 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 right. Set theory paradox, which is imagine there's a set of things that are yep. not included in their own set. Yep. It's like, well, okay, but if it's if it is included in its own set, then it's not included in its own set. And if it's not included yep. in its own set, then it's in its own set. So it's like that's a paradox. So Bertrand Russell and a bunch of other people wanted to get to the root of set theory and kind of prove mathematics works from the first principles because like some of the ultimate answers of the universe might not really be achievable if these paradoxes are allowed to persist in mathematics and it's like that that changed everything but there's a specific very simple mathematical idea idea. that had to be included in this and it's like the first thing of math that one bertrand russell i don't know used well close 
he used symbolic logic, like an incredible, like a paragraph worth of symbolic logic to rigorously prove that one plus one equals two. Motherfucker. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that sound before in my entire life. Where did you get that? This comes preloaded. Yours has it on there somewhere. Impressive. Um, yeah, so Bertrand Russell used used uh, mathematics to prove that one plus one equals two, which sounds intuitive, but actually he had to go he had to go to like check under the hood to make sure that all this worked. And we talked about this on it was on an episode of QI again, and it's just a uh, a fascinating mathematical. Could you imagine uh, foray. Him pos- posing that to other mathematic academicians? It reminds me. All I can think yeah. about is like it reminds me a lot of if you ever traveled and you're like, I think I put my wallet in my bag, and someone looks at you like, what? We're Sorry. at the airport now. And then you're like, oh, no, it's in here. It's like, that's what he was doing. Like, well, let's oh, just yeah. make sure that one yeah. plus one equals two. And all these other people are like, there are bridges built on this. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, on, on the episode of QI, uh, David Mitchell is a very funny British yeah, comedian. QI is great. Yeah, David, David Mitchell had this bit about him. He's like, well, so apparently uh, Bertrand Russell was known for having like really bad, like halitosis, like his breath Ooh. was really bad. And David Mitchell's like, well, you know, there's a, there's a lot writing on on this mathematics working right now. He's like, could you imagine if he proved that like it doesn't like one plus one doesn't equal two. And it's like international economy down the tubes, engineering useless. Yeah. That whole burn everything in society at that point. If you, if you can't like someone loads a gun, like does it equal two? Does it? I don't know. Mm. And then he's like, he's like, imagine meeting this dude at a party. He's like, yeah, his breath stank. When I asked him what he does, asked him what he does. He said, he proved one plus one equals two. (laughs) I have a bonus uh, one Nick, for you. I have a bonus one for you. With that incorrect answer. We're tied. <laughs> we are ending our first ever trivia episode at a tie. We each got 3.5 out of 7. We're exactly 50-50. We are equally mediocre to one another. Don't play a, a laugh track. I'm having a great that. time. Good Lord. I'm having a great time. Well, we have 100 episodes of mediocrity out there mediocrity now, boy, and so we boy. are genuinely delighted to have had all of Player 3 with us, and we hope you bring your friends, tell your friends' friends. The more the merrier. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to give you a chance to kick one through the uprights here. Podcast right, stats go. are measured by which episodes do best in the first 30 days. Trivia question mm-hmm. for you, big boy. What's our best episode in the first 30 days? First we, do stat, we do a stat meeting every single time we record after we do. this. We do. There are two uh, obvious answers that are way more popular than every other one we've ever done in the first 30 days. It has to be the Taylor Swift episode. Absolutely not. Not even close. Poker? The, the most popular episode, and this is shouts to Player 3 for being boring and boring is hot. Weber Fechner is by far our most popular episode after 30 days. More than no triple really? the average. Yep. Wow. Okay. Well, Player 3, thank you for yeah. being interested shouts in the Weber nerds, Fechner man. Thanks Yo, for being boring. Thanks for being hot. The mathisodes. The mathisodes are actually significantly more popular over thirty to ninety days. <laughs> that is that is one of my favorite. Uh, it, it, that is one of my favorite kind of effects of game theory that we've. Oh, it, like, uh, like we we talked about a lot of laws that are named yeah. after people. Uh, sure. I don't know if it's necessarily my like personal favorite though. I think Simpsons yeah. Paradox is really, really interesting. That might I think that favorite. might be I've one of my favorite ones. Off of that, like literally, has made me money. Yes, I I think it's a it's a really good one. I'm also really compelled by uh, Moore's Law. I, I think Moore's that one is, is super cool. interesting. And I, I you know I'm that's not I don't even know if it's like a real like really a game theory thing, but like no, the fact technology. that we're now so technologically advanced as a civilization that we're running up against the physical limits of the material universe in our ability to pack more 
transistors into electronic components like now the thing that's holding us back is like the bottleneck of how big an electron is do you have any idea how small an electron is like uh, it's so small and they no. spin so fast like people don't even know what shape electrons are because like if They're you had cloud. a sphere that was the size of an electron and if it was spinning at the speed that we observe electrons to be spinning at the the surface of that sphere would be going faster than the speed of light it's like like what 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 does this even mean it's it's crazy crazy how small that is and that's what we're brushing up against in our ability to like continually improve and miniaturize and and make more efficient uh, electronics and, and technology that are ubiquitous i i love morris law i was just thinking about that it was also the coolest graphic i think i made for all of our individual episodes um yeah, was good. The, yeah the colors are good i want to shout out to our guests christian bjorky who came on to talk about uh bobby bonilla which is fascinating. The Mets still owe that guy a million mm -hmm. bucks a year for like another 10 years, which is awesome. I think it's Bonilla. Uh, Bonilla. Vanilla. 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 Yeah. Is it Vanilla? I, I don't know. Bonilla, Vanilla. Yeah, I forget. She told us how to pronounce it, and we don't remember it. Uh, shout out no, to our significant not. others for coming on and talking about their series, their fields of expertise. Your friend Dan came on to talk about college football, which has been yep. a mess. Shout out to Dan. Um, he's, a, he's a really brilliant guy, has a ton of useful insights on stuff that's actually interesting and valuable and necessary. But he, more importantly, he has the biggest brain for sports of probably anybody that I've ever met. Thanks. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's because he listens to Interesting to See, a daily sports <laughs> podcast, but <laughs> News and Narratives takes a um, Shouts to our friend Trent Williams from back home for discussing how uh, yep. hunting tags are handing out, handed out. And Chris, shouts to our friend Justin, who wrote the book on The Price is Right. And now, yep. Justin Bergner, author of, of, the, of Solving the Price is Right. Solving yeah, the what's, the, what's the question? What is the general tenet that he said is the biggest problem with contestant guests? They all make one enormous mistake. They all underbid. They all underbid. And it's because they're afraid of, like, the, of the bias that's in their mind is the, the consequence of overbidding is so bad. They, they, they drop to zero like they can't, they're out. They would rather undershoot. And in doing so, they miss out on a ton of value and a lot of stuff. And they get their guesses they miss a lot by more. more. Yeah. They screw yeah. up. So people, people overcompensate for this thing when rationally, like, no, it, doesn't, it actually doesn't make a lot of sense for them to underbid as much as they do. It's a fun also episode. We haven't done an episode on anchoring. We've got to do an episode on anchoring because that's anchoring. Yeah, we've, we've, yeah. we've brought it up many a time because it's a, it's a prominent it. bias. But uh, speaking of anchoring, uh, we also had a really interesting episode with my beloved, my fiance. Yours, yeah. Uh, shout out to Callie for popular. explaining to us, yeah, like what's the, what's the process of gathering data and really mapping out an accurate user experience. And we use a crappy barbecue map. So it's like, you, you think a good barbecue in America, people are anchored to a few spots. They're like you know, Seattle, Texas brisket. <laughs> oh my God. No, which we love Seattle. Seattle is one of our, our favorite walk. cities. We're very popular in Seattle. We um, are for some reason, not a barbecue guys, city. I would not say. a barbecue city. There's a lot of other stuff going on in Seattle. You don't need to have fish. great barbecue. Fish. Right. Yes. I mean, you can get, you can get oysters for 15 cents. I don't know if they're that or, cheap. But. That does not sound true, but, yeah, no, less than normal, I guess. Not, yeah, not expensive. Well, it doesn't yeah. have to be. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, don't Seattle know. rules, but it's not a barbecue city. And we had a really interesting episode about that. And yep. it's like, why, why did this, why did this TripAdvisor map get barbecue so wrong? And it's because they used kind of aggregate data in a way that was really uncritical. And it was probably just based on like five-star reviews of restaurants that happen to be really good instead That's of like accurately depicting the culture yep. of the city. Yeah. It can't, yeah. It's, can't can't trust AI at face value. You can use it. It's a useful tool to enhance a lot of right. ways of understanding the world and data analysis and yeah. kind of summaries and stuff. But you see uh, that a lot with various things where people like if, if you have to agree that AI is factual, but the, the data that these things like ChatGPT are scraping are just reviews of people and who leaves reviews? 
You know, like how trustworthy are the reviews that right. you're getting on the internet? Right. So like that, that was a really fascinating episode. I really liked that one. Um, Optimal Poker is our m- most popular episode after a 90 or 180 day. People are always out there trying to gain an advantage and all these poker coaches put their shit behind paywalls as if like, well, if you were good, I would be able to Google you and you'd be good. Um, it's, I, that doesn't make sense. So people looking for how to play game theory, optimal poker. We didn't really explain that because it's very difficult to understand, but I would I'll point you to Daniel Negreanu's masterclass and some some other podcasts and stuff on how to do that. His interview with um, Lex Friedman is a good one to understand how game theory poker works. If you're Speaking trying to of people who have the word freed in their name, uh, we didn't do a Fraudster Files episode on this, but Sam Bankman-Fried, founder, no, a or disgraced founder yeah. of FTX, the sure. fake-ass cryptocurrency exchange uh that's a guy that i think deserves the continued uh disdain of people who invested in that part he just defrauded the shit out of a bunch of people and and made people believe that this is a a legit thing uh and i i think uh, you know obviously i'm going to take the half a point on the fraudster files episode but i i kind of wish we had done a, a deeper dive into like him as a fraudster we did discuss it in the silicon valley bank collapse episode but uh, we, I don't know, maybe there's more, maybe there's more room for the legacy of Sam Bankman Freed and, and I people agree. who followed in his footsteps. I agree, um, especially since there's some account was hacked yesterday and said that there had been approval from Congress for this, which was just... Yeah, Securities and Exchange Commission hacked, and they <sighs> tweeted a bunch of stuff, like an unauthorized tweet. It's like, oh, that's not good. I guess we better turn on two-factor authentication, eh, boys? Mm, I would say so. So, Chris, the most important thing that we've learned... I'm going to give you a scenario. This is a trivia question. I get behind one of these three doors. There's a car behind the other two doors. There's a goat. You pick door number one. We open it. It's a goat. We open door number three. It's a goat. So now you've got 50, 50 shot goat or car. Do you change your answer? No, because it's 50, 50 from the start. And oh, by the way, I'm an idiot. Of course I changed the answer. 66%. Get it right. People change your answer. Mm, Change the answer. Ugh. All right, Froster Files coming up. We got we got a bunch of good episodes. We're gonna do Stanley next episode. If you're listening this long in this episode, we do fads. Can't believe we haven't got to fads yet. Stanley Cups, baby. Not that one. Not the one you're thinking of. Yeah, the other one.